Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Um, everything's been so great. That was a wonderful song. Um, wonderful um, children's story about fear. I'm, I'm really trying to grasp some of those verses at this particular moment in time. Um, um, I'm grateful to be here. And uh, I always feel so humbled whenever I'm called to stand up here. I hope that feeling never goes away. Um, today, I'd like to talk a little bit about Daniel. I had um, studied some of this material uh, several years ago, but then when um, we were studying one worship and uh, refuting compromise, that lesson, this lesson came to me, and I thought, you know, it's time to restudy it. And as I was studying it, then I became... Uh, was put on the schedule, so I thought, you know, now would be the time to present it. Um, it's not a passionate speech, you know, as we had last week, you know, but it's, it's more of an informational speech, and my, I, my goal is that it would be, that these, sex, these uh, verses would become more uh, clear to you than they were before, and I hope that uh, God, God will add to these words and uh, do what he wants you to do with them. I'd like to pray real quick. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for for bringing us here today. We thank you for the worship service. We'd ask that you'd be with us as we go to study your word. We'd ask that uh, we would learn what you want us to learn and then have the wisdom and the courage to to apply that to our lives, that we would become more like your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Ah, the mystery of the daily. I'm going to walk over here so I can see too. Um, An exegesis of Daniel's 8, 9 through 14. Exegesis, now that just means a study of the words that are in the text so that we can apply a meaning to them and and or find their relevance to us. Um, While I was studying for this, I found this cool poster. And this is a, a poster from 1863. It's about our roots. I always love going back to our roots. I think we have just a, a great history, and we, were, we have a great calling, and um, it seems to fit in with the sermon. We notice on the poster we have the, uh, the statue of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, divided Rome, and that comes from Daniel chapter 2. Um, we have Daniel chapter 7, we have the, the lion with the wings, um, the bear with the three uh, bones, and then we have uh, Greece, and then we have a dreadful beast, we have uh, pagan Rome and papal Rome. Um, we can see that this is Daniel chapter uh, 7, Daniel chapter 8, and then it kind of Parallels in uh, Revelation, where we have um, the, the three different beasts. Um, the main thing is the cross. You know that, uh, and we can tell this is from 1863 because the cross is very, you know, it's it's not as prominent after 1888 and the General Conference. The cross became more of a focal point the, that we are saved by uh, grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so we, I wanted to read 
Daniel's 8, 9 through 14. This will come out of the King James Version. I like the King James Version because um, it's not copyrighted. I can paste it right into my Excel workbooks or anywhere I want to and not have to give credit to, you know, to them. But, and I also like it because it's, it's old. And it's the one that our, uh, our founders used. Um, it's amazing that we're coming up on, what is it, the 400-year anniversary or 500 years, 1611. So that's got to be 500 years the translation's been out, and it's still you know, accurate today. Those uh, translators must have been extremely blessed to do that. And Daniel 9, and out of one of them, one out of one of the uh, four horns came a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great, and towards the south, towards the east, and towards the pleasant land. And it waxed great, even unto the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped on them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And the host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it, was, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced, and it prospered. And then I heard one saint speaking to another saint, saying unto that certain saint which spoke, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Two thousand and three hundred days, then the sanctuary be cleansed. It was interesting as we go through, as we were reading the progression of the vision, the goat or the ram was great and the goat was very great. And now we have um, the little horn, which is exceedingly great. And then it waxed great even to the host of heavens. And then he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. So we can see a general progression of uh, exaltation. And this is exactly what you would expect from a, a pagan religion. Pagan religion, um, as we think about what is paganism, it's in, um, it denies the God of the Bible. It's in direct opposition to God and his people. Um, some of the other things I think about when I think about paganism, one of the things is the sacrifice. The sacrifice in paganism is to change the behavior of the God. Sacrifice in true Christianity is to change our behavior and our attitude so that we are no longer afraid of God. By his stripes, we are healed. Um, so I thought the way I would go through this, I would take one verse, the original verse, oops, and um, the original verse, and sorry about that. Take the original verse, do some work to it, and then come up with, an, with a modified version. So we'll start with Daniel uh, 8, 9. And out of one of them came a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards the pleasant land. Um, when we start looking at some of what some of the words mean, we, uh, we find out that um, the little horn is... Uh, the gender conjugation is male. Um, and that's going to be extremely important. And out, and he waxed great towards the south, which would be Egypt, towards the east, Greece, and Medo Persia, and towards the pleasant land, Jerusalem. So we can 
look at this verse again, and out of one of them came a little horn. He, pagan Rome, waxed exceedingly great towards Egypt, towards Greece, and Medo-Persia, and towards Jerusalem. Um, and it's interesting, in Greece, we, yesterday we went to the Milwaukee Public Museum, and they have an exhibit on Cleopatra. Cleopatra was Greece. She was a Ptolemy, one of the four horns. She's a descendant of one of the four horns that, uh, from Alexander the Great. And her greatest concern, and her dad's greatest concern, was the uh, growing power of Rome. And as we think about her story, you know, she was right to be, to be concerned because Rome did eventually come in and conquer Greece. In Daniel 10, and it waxed great, even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground, and it stamped upon them. Um, the gender conjugation is female. And that, that becomes very important in our study, that uh, the gender conjugation. Um, we know that in um, the Bible, uh, the church is often referred to as a woman. And so um, she waxed great. And to the host of heaven, I believe at this point they're talking about Jesus, the Most High. And she cast down some of the host and some of the stars. Then that would be the host and the stars, the saints and God's people to the ground and stamped on them. And the modified version would be, and papal Rome waxed great, even unto the Most High, and she cast down some of the saints to the ground and stamped upon them. When we think about our, uh, our poster and our readings that we know and the statue, that it goes from Greece to Rome to divided Rome. And I should probably take a minute as to why are we talking about this prophecy. Um, first of all, the prophecy has several, uh, several uh, advantages to us. First of all, it tells us that God is in control of, uh, of the earth's history. We know that if God said, you know, 500 years, you know, what is it, it's like 2,500 years ago, if God said that there was going to be Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, divided Rome, and all of a sudden, you go through the history books and you find Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, divided Rome. We have confidence that the very last chapter is about the uh, second coming and the judgment and what's going to happen at that point in time will actually come true. The other thing about prophecy, it tells us where we are on the timeline. So now we, can, we know what's coming. We no longer have to be afraid or surprised by what's happening. So we know where we are on the prophetic timeline, so we're not afraid. We also know what is the present truth at this point in time. You know, when it was further back many years ago, you know, the present truth wasn't uh, the three angels' message. Since 1844, it is now the three angels' message that God's judgment has come, and it's time to worship the, the creator and not the creation. This, this verse here, now this is where um, things begin a little bit more difficult or a little bit more different. When I first came to the, uh, became a Seventh-day Adventist, I learned a different meaning of this uh, version than I am going to talk about today. Um, and and it's actually a very good version, but as I was starting to read some of... Uh, 
because I was reading in Daniel and Revelation by Uriah Smith. Uriah Smith was an Adventist scholar. He wrote into the mid to late 1800s, um, wrote many, many books, and they're just awesome books. The book on Daniel and Revelation takes it verse by verse and has a great explanation of everything that's going on in Daniel and Revelation. I've read some of his books, too, that were had printings you know, in the 1860s, and it's interesting, as you read the book, he is looking forwards as if, and he's talking about this is going to happen. And as I'm sitting here reading it in 2011, it's like, wow, that did happen. And so it thinks about our message. We know we've been giving this message for 167 years now, and it's, and it's actually starting to come true. You know, when, we, when in 1844, the, the Catholic Church was not a great power in the world. Um, and now it is a very great power. People look to it for uh, religious leadership. So this is where we talk about the mystery of the daily. And he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. The gender conjugation is he in this verse. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And that would be the prince of the host, that would be Jesus, the son of man. And um, by him, the daily. Now, this daily is tamid, and it means continual. And it's used very much in the uh, Levitical system, the continual sacrifice, the continual burning of the lamps, the continual showbread. But it also has a meaning of uh, false worship. So depending on how it's used. And this would be very similar to in Revelation when John has the real trinity, and the false trinity. The word sacrifice is a supplied word. It's not in the original Greek. It was supplied by the translators to to help them. I think in the 1600s, they didn't have the same grasp of uh, the Bible or prophecy that we have today. Another thing that's... uh, that's troubling is this was taken away. Now, taken away is rum. And, and it's used 180 times in the Bible, and 173 of them it means lifted up. But in this place in Daniel and in another place in Ezekiel, it's used as taken away. And that's really not in context with how it's used in the rest of the, rest of the Bible. And the place of his sanctuary... That's Mekadesh, and it's an earthly sanctuary, and it could be pagan or a godly sanctuary. So it could be either be talking about the temple or, the, or it could be talking about a pagan, pagan place of worship. And then what's cast down, that would be the verb sir, to turn aside, remove. Um, these two words, rum and sir, are used quite a bit in the Levitical system. For example, the kidneys in the burnt offering are taken out of the, the lamb and then they're raised up to God. That would be sir and then rum. And, and if we look at the modified version, we have, yea, pagan Rome magnified himself even to the son of man, and by him paganism was lifted up and the place of his pagan sanctuary was removed. When we think about pagan Rome, they did magnify itself to the Son of Man. It uh, crucified Christ, tried to kill him as a baby, crucified him, and then eventually came in and destroyed his temple. Um, 
And by him, paganism was lifted up, and the place of his pagan earthly sanctuary was removed. We're going to get on to this. We know that there has to be a transition from pagan Rome to papal Rome. So first, paganism is lifted up, and then it's taken away. Daniel 12, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and it prospered. And host is army, uh, the gender conjugation is her. If you notice, that there's this alternating, this uh, boy-girl, boy-girl type of uh, parallelism that's very common in Hebrew. Um, again, daily is tamid, the continual. Um, sacrifice again is supplied um, and it was actually daily it was actually William Miller when he was studying the Bible that came up with the idea that the daily was not a good thing that the daily was paganism and it, it was this key that helped him to unlock the 2300 days um, by reason of transgression you know I never understood this reason of transgression but I think I have a good understanding of what it is now. Um, the verb or the word is pesha, which is by, which could be pronounced, uh, read as by transgression. It means rebellion, and in this case, rebellion is uh, the union of church and state. That would be, you know, the church using the state to enforce its own will. Uh, gender conjugation, and she cast down the truth to the ground, and she practiced, and she prospered. And if we look at the modified version, and an army, and we know that this, and we'll find out that this army is Clovis and the Franks, and an army, Clovis and the Franks, was given papal Rome against paganism by the reason of the union of church and state, and she cast down the truth to the ground, and she practiced, and she prospered. And then Daniel 13. Um, and then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint, and another saint said unto that certain saint, saint which spoke, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? Um, we have some supplied words here. Concerning and sacrifice are supplied. And then when I heard one saint speaking to another saint, that saint said, spoke, how long will be the vision concerning the vision? Um, the daily is tamid, um, sacrifice and the transgression, which causes desolation, which is shoman. So the word of is shoman, which means which causes desolation to give both the sanctuary and this is a different sanctuary than, uh, than we had a couple of verses ago. This is a godly sanctuary, and it could be either on heaven or on earth. And how long will the host be trodden underfoot? So then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain state, saint which spoke, how long shall be the vision? Concern, oh, gosh. The vision concerning paganism. Now, when we read Daniel, when we just were read, the vision started in chapter, in uh, verse 3, 
the first two verses were, you know, setting the stage. The third verse was the beginning of the vision. And there in the vision, throughout this whole vision, he has the the ram, the goat, and then we have Rome and divided Rome. So, so they, what the saints want to know is how long shall be the vision? How long will it be concerning, concerning the ram, the goat, or concerning Medo-Persia, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, divided Rome? How long will this be? And then they also want to know how long will it be the union of church and state which causes desolation, and then it gives both God's sanctuary on earth and in heaven and the saints to be trodden underfoot. So the vision, they want to know how long does this vision going, how long is it going to last? How long is it going to go from Medo-Persia all the way to the end? And we know in verse 13, it's 2,300 evenings and mornings. And if we read the whole thing again, um, so we'll start from 9. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, pagan Rome. It waxed exceedingly great towards Egypt, towards Greece, and Medea, Persia, and towards Jerusalem. And papal Rome waxed great, even unto the Most High. And she cast down some of the saints to the ground and stamped on them. Yea. Pagan Rome magnified himself even to the Son of Man, and by him paganism was lifted up, and the place of his pagan earthly sanctuary was removed. And an army, Clovis and the Franks, was given papal Rome against paganism by the reason of union of church and state, and she cast down truth to the ground, and she practiced and she prospered. And then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spoke, How long will be the vision concerning paganism and the union of church and state, which causes desolation, to give both God's sanctuary on earth and in heaven and the saints to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, 2,300 evening mornings, and then shall God's heavenly sanctuary be cleansed. As we were looking through uh, these verses, first we noticed the progression of paganism. Also, we should notice um, how often... Um, sacrificial language is used. Rum and serve used very much in, uh, in the Levitical sacrificial system. We have a sanctuary. We have the horns of the altar. We have the ram and the goat. We have a sin offering and a trespass offering. So Daniel, I think, is trying to make a point here that, there is, um, that this is not a good thing, that this is a bad thing. So, why do we need to clean the sanctuary? First of all, in Leviticus 16, he and Aaron shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel. That's us. Um, And because of their transgressions and all of their sins, and so you shall do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remained among them in the midst of their uncleanliness. So, the first reason the sanctuary needs to be cleansed is because of us. The other reason the sanctuary needs to be cleansed is because of the defilement of these uh, pagan powers. Medo-Persia, the ram, we had pagan wives being, you know, the priests marrying pagan wives. In Greece, which is the goat, we had pagan influences on worship. We have Antioch Epiphanes and, you know, all sorts of 
bad things happened during uh, the Grecian rule. Um, pagan Rome, which is a horn, crucified Jesus, destroyed the temple, has Pontifus Maximus, and that means emperor worship. The emperor was now a god, and it's... Um, And it's interesting that uh, as Cleopatra also had that same thing as when she was crowned, she became a god. So this, is, uh, this pagan worship is it's widespread. And then papal Rome, we have, uh, it's also a horn. And we can look at some verses like Daniel 7.25 as to what it's guilty of. Before I go on, you know, I made some statements here, and I think what we need to do is after we have I've made these statements, one of the things we need to do is do they make sense with other parts of the Bible? Does, is the, does it cause the Bible to be internally consistent, or does it cause, uh, to, you know, to be more confusion? Um, the other thing, does it actually match what happened in the world? You know, do, is it truthful in what happened in the world? So... This is my goal. You know, we've come up with the daily as being paganism, uh, the transgression causing desolation as being papal Rome, and now we want to see if um, if that it is internally consistent and if it uh, matches what happens in history. Being internally consistent is very important because that's one of the reasons that we give for the Bible to be true. We know that the Bible was written over a very long period of time by very many people, and it's the same message throughout the, uh, throughout the centuries. So is the Bible still in con- internally consistent? And not just with Daniel, but is it consistent with other books of the Bible? Oh, um, and other cons- occurrences of Tamid. That's, sorry. We're going to look at other occurrences of where the word tamid or hatamid is used to indicate paganism. Mostly in Leviticus, it's, a, it's talking about the sacrifice or the continual sacrifice. You know, it's interesting as I was reading and studying this, the sacrifice, the evening and morning sacrifices, um, generally the sacrifices were burnt up right away, but not the evening and morning sacrifices. In the evening, the sacrifice was put on the grill and it was left to burn all night long until the morning. And then it was cleaned up, and then there was a, uh, then the morning sacrifice, and that was left on the grill until the evening. So we had a continual sacrifice. And, uh, and this is, I believe this is symbolic that we are continually in need of forgiveness and strength from our Savior. Um, if we just look at Isaiah 52, 5, um, Therefore, what I have said, said the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught, that they rule over them and make them howl, said the Lord. My name is continually, every day, blasphemed. In Obadiah um, 16, for you have drunk from the holy mountain, and so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink and swallow down, and then they shall be as they had not been. And then in Psalm 74, forget not the voice of thy enemies, the tumult, 
that rises against thee increases continually. So the tumult that's arising against God is increasing continually. Um, and Second Thessalonians chapter two, um, we we will find support for the for the assertions that uh, that the daily is uh, paganism and the transgression that causes desolation is uh, papal Rome, the union of church and state. Um, Let's pick this up in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except for there come a falling away first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And this goes directly with with Daniel 8.10. Papal Rome waxed great, even unto the Most High. If we pick it up in, chat, in verse 6, and now we already know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already at work. For he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. So until he be taken out of the way. And then Daniel 8.12 and an army, Clovis and the Franks, was given papal Rome against paganism by the reason of the union of church and state. Verse 8 talks about uh, the second coming. In Daniel 9.26, now this is uh, the 70 weeks prophecy, so we'll pick it up at the end of the 70 weeks. Um, And after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come, and they shall destroy the city of the sanctuary. That word is Kodesh, which is God's sanctuary, that's either on heaven or earth. And the end shall come with a flood, and unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. The words end, those are not um, in, the, in the original version. Um, and then in 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of that week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblations to cease. And upon the wing, the, the um, pronoun, or the the is not there. The wing of abominations, and it shall come one that makes desolate, even unto an full end, and that. And that, it could also mean that which is determined, and shall wrath be poured upon the that which was desolate. So if we think about, reread it, and the people of the prince shall come and destroy the city and God's earthly sanctuary, and the end shall be with a flood, and unto an end of war. Desolations are decreed, and an, and an end of war. And this war is a civil war that we're currently involved in, and that would be the uh, the great controversy of uh, between Satan and Christ. Satan has said that he can do a better job of being God than God, and so we are now caught right in the middle. We're behind enemy lines as a witness and soldiers for for Jesus. Um. And verse 26 matches up with Daniel 8.11. Um, and yea, pagan Rome magnified himself even to the Son of Man. So when pagan Rome crucified Christ and destroyed his temple, um, that's what they're talking about here. And upon a wing of abominations is that which desolates even until the end, 
and that which was decreed shall be poured upon that which desolates. In Daniel 8, 12, and an army, Clovis and Franks, was given papal Rome against paganism by the reason of the union of church and state. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Daniel 11, or 12, 11, we have a couple of uh, supplied words again, sacrifice, makes, are supplied, and if we go straight to the uh, modified version, and from the time that paganism shall be removed and the abomination that desolates set up, there shall be 2,000, there shall be 1,290 days. Um, So this is talking about the 1,290-day prophecy, Um, and we know that the 1,290 days is supposed to begin when paganism ends in papal Rome, is starting to take power. So, what actually happened? Um, We know that we found verses that keep the Bible internally consistent with the daily being as paganism. Um, We know that, uh, and now we need to see, does it really, does it match history? On 70 AD, we had the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Um, The Council of Nicaea refutes the Arian heresy. Arian heresy, that would also be considered paganism because it denies the divinity of Christ. Um, The first of the the three roots or or the three horns are are destroyed by Theodore, the Ostrogoth, with permission of Emperor Zeno, a friend of the Pope. Um, This is an important point. Clovis is baptized. He's the first pagan king to accept Christianity. Um, There's an understanding between him and the church, and that results in a check on Arianism, and the barbarians unite in a war. Uh, Paganism is not going to give up without a fight. Um, In 507 AD, Clovis launches a religious war against the Visigoths of Germany, another the second route to be uprooted. Um, in 508 AD, that's the start of the 1290 days, Catholicism is now replacing paganism. Um, Clovis destroys the Visigoths. He receives many honors. He's the first Catholic prince, the eldest son of the church, and the most Christian. Um, it's the end of the Arian resistance to the Pope. It paved the way for the union of church and state. And it tells us that France, not Germany, sets the future of, for the future of Europe. That would be its legal notions, its political institutions, and most importantly, its alliance with the church and state. Um, again, we have um, paganism coming back, not giving up without a fight. He orders the pope to leave. 533, Justinian's decree that declares that the pope is the supreme ruler of all churches, but... Unfortunately, the Pope is out of power, so it takes a little while. So the Vandals eventually are destroyed by Justinians, by the armies of Justinians, another friend of the Pope's orders. So the Ostrogoths, the last of the three horns to be ripped up, is in 538. That's the start of the 1260 days. The Pope returns to Rome with no opposition to his power. 
So, in conclusion, why is this important? It's not a salvation issue, whether the daily is a, um, Christ's ministry in heaven or whether the daily is paganism. It's not going to result in you know us being saved or not saved. It's not a salvation issue. It's a doctrinal issue. But, but as we study, you know, small errors can lead to larger errors. And as we studied in last quarterly's uh, study on, uh, on worship, that compromise, we remember that Jeroboam, he started with just a couple of calves, you know, to, to worship. And eventually that led to the destruction of the nation of Israel. So one small change can lead to something further on. And the reason, and um, so this is why we study certain texts, is because we need to know what, what do they really mean and how do they affect us. Um, the reason, it's important that the daily be defined as paganism and the abomination which desolates defined as nominal Christianity in union with church and state. First of all, it anchors the 457 B.C. start date of the 2300 days prophecy. Um, if, if all of a sudden um, the daily becomes something that, that's Christ's ministry that, you know, that, that's affected by the Pope, now we are no longer start the 2300 days in 457 B.C. Now we're up to like three to 500 A.D. And that means that the great disappointment and the judgment has not yet begun. We still have a few more years to wait for that. Um, it was the key to Miller, William Miller's establishing uh, 1844 as the end of the 2300 days prophecy. Um, the vision, when we think about the vision that, because 457 BC is during the time of Medo-Persia. So the start date starts in Medo-Persia, and it goes all the way through all of those uh, different transformations of power. Um, it's, it establishes the, uh, the true antithesis to be between Daniel 8 and 13 and 8.14. So the, the battle is not between Jesus and the Pope. The battle is now between pagan Rome and papal Rome. And as we think about the statue, I always go back to the statue because that's the easiest to understand. So we have pagan Rome as the leg, and so somehow we have to get to uh, the mixture of uh, iron and clay to uh, divided Rome, or papal Rome. Um, it also keeps the Bible internally consistent. Satan can't actually remove anything of Jesus. It can only think to. We think back, it can only think to change times and laws. It can't actually change the times and laws. Informational truths keep us from error. You know, the 2300-day prophecy is really our reason for being. Anything that weakens it weakens our end-time message. Um, we wouldn't be here without our understanding of prophecy or our understanding of the Levitical system. And we're commanded to love, have a love of the truth. You know, are we not like the Bereans? You know, we should keep digging and digging and digging until we're actually at the bottom. And if both the people and the sanctuary to be put right, then what are we, God's people, to do during this typical Day of Atonement? Hint, that comes from the study of the Levitical sacrificial system, and that could be actually another whole sermon in itself, but... Um,
that is the end. So with this, you know, I hope that uh, as we think about prophecy, you know, we know in the timeline, we know where we are in the timeline, so we, now we know what is coming and how we should be behaving. And um, that's probably one of the great gifts that God has given us is the, uh, is the gift of prophecy. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we had to come and study your word. We'd ask that, uh, that the, it would work on our hearts, that we would become more like your son. We'd ask that we are so grateful that you have given us um, your word, the word made text. And so, God, please help us to understand it and to apply it to our life and to uh, share the good news to others. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.